Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, how to get 20, 20, 20, how to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So, Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. The Andy J Podcast. Hey, welcome to the very latest Andy J podcast. We have a special show for you today. I want to say from the outset that if you're not into boxing and you're not into sport, this show is still for you. Because even though my guest is a former WBC Cruiserweight World Champion, it doesn't mean to say you're about to have an hour of boring boxing conversation. Quite the reverse. Tony Bellew has just written a book called, this is the best title of any book ever, by the way, Everybody Has a Plan Until They Get Punched in the Face. 12 Things the Boxing Teaches You About Life. It's part autobiography, it's part self-help, it's an instruction manual from the struggles and the battles that Tony has had to fight in and out of the ring. Tony has, uh, like many great champions, Tony's story starts at the bottom. He was the guy who people laughed at. He was the guy that was, in his own words, and I'm paraphrasing here, he was too fat to be a footballer. He wasn't going to cut it at professional sport. He was, well, he just wasn't someone that anyone had any expectations for. And he scrapped and he trained and he fought and he believed. And as a result, He is a remarkable man. He's fascinating company. And like I say, whilst yes, there are some, of course, boxing bits to this chat, most of this is about an incredible life lived with determination and resilience. There are people in Tony's life in and out of the ring that have challenged him in so many different ways. People that have taken from him, cheated him, stolen things from him. He has had to bounce back and find his feet more times than you can imagine. He's great company. He's a guy who I believe is and will continue to be an excellent role model. And I can see the good things that he has started doing in earnest to help others and to reach out and make a difference to this world. There should be more Tony Bellews out there. So thank you for your company today. Enjoy this conversation. It's a big one. He's a great guy. And I think you'll, uh, I think you'll learn from it. Of course, as ever, if you're enjoying the show, please subscribe, tell your friends. If you can give us a five-star review, that'd be very kind. If you'd like to say some nice words, that's always appreciated. Anyway, thanks again. Here is Tony Bellew. Andy J Podcast. Hey, you're listening to The Andy J Show. Now, I've thought long and hard about how to introduce my next guest because he is a man who has been introduced in so many different ways in front of so many incredible crowds of people. So I'm going to go with this. My next guest is an Everton fan that makes Duncan Ferguson look like a softie. He's the former WBC Cruiserweight World Champion. It's Tony Bellew. How are you doing, Tony? How are you, guys? I'm okay. Thanks. Thanks for having me. Tony, you are, I mean, obviously I'm referring to the ring walk out there. You are a man who has been introduced and you've had your walk on music and everything so many times in so many different places that you must get yeah. a little bit bored of people introducing you. 
you know what? It's uh, I still can't believe people actually do introduce me. To be honest, I'm still I'm honoured that they do and that they think that I'm something that I quite frankly don't think I am. So honoured. I'm still shocked that you know when I look in the mirror, mate. I'm still that fat kid from Waverley, and I'll always be him. <laughs> I mean, that's just you know what that that comes across in the book. We're, we're obviously going to talk about the book, which, by the way, is now a Sunday Times bestseller. Phenomenal, well done. It's not only the greatest you, titled book on the planet. I, I mean, I've been telling everyone the title of the book. Everyone has a plan until they get punched in the face. Brilliant, but it's an absolutely gripping read, and this. It's. I mean, let's let's talk about it, Tony, because it, it's sort of part diary of your life, picking up from the boxing, where you you glimpse into sort of the motivation and your training and so on. And it's part. Here's what I've learned as a boxer and some life skills that you can pick up from it. Definitely. I mean, it's it's one first thing I say. It's not an autobiography. I haven't gone into the the depths of how my life began and started and the positions I've come from. It's more, in my opinion to motivate people and help people because I'm someone who believes that if I can do it then there's nothing special about me I honestly believe that the only thing that separates me from other people is me me you know me unwilling unwillingness to give in I'll never back down I'll, I'll always give it 110% in everything I possibly got so I've always believed that's the difference between me and other people uh, besides that you know I'm not a fantastic athlete I was never athletically or aesthetically blessed you know, I'm not much to look at, but as I say, you know, I've got an unwilling desire to never give in. And that's the only difference between me and other people. So I come across that in the book, just things of how I came back from really low parts of my life and low moments because I've had them. Uh, and, you know, certain things that have gone on in my life as well. So I've encountered so many different things. I've had so many different jobs. When I've done this book, I'd never really reflected on my career and looked back at my life and, and why was I a boxer and how did I become a world champion? And the more that I've done the book, the more I look through it, the more I realise that, you know, it's no coincidence why I've ended up a boxer and a world champion. So it's just things that I've learned that I can pass on. And I think that can also just help your everyday person, to be totally honest. I agree, mate. I mean, it's this it's full of life advice. But what's what's interesting, Tony, is, is the journey that's kind of that's gone from the Tony Bellew that was so confident and to the to the point of incredible arrogance in the ring because you had the skills, you knew you were going to tear people apart, as you've said it yourself, to the Tony that's talking yeah. now that describes yourself as nothing special and you just put the graft in. You know, from, from a fan's perspective, people have, will have watched you five, ten years ago and not thought at all about, well, there's a guy who's going to be humble when he's 38. They would have just thought, wow, there's a guy with a lot of talent and a lot of balls to back it up and quite the chat. Thank you very much. Uh, you know what, and it's, it's it's been a long, long story and a long, long you know road. I never became world champion overnight. You know, I never always believed I was going to be world champion. There were some low moments where I questioned myself. I didn't think I'd get there, but I persevered and I never wanted to give up on that task that I set myself. And these were big, big pivotal moments in my career. I've never wanted to give up and never wanted to back down, and I stood by it. And that's what's got me there in the very end. And, you know, as I say, the ups and downs, the highs and lows, it's all part of the journey. Everybody now wants to just get straight to the destination. No one wants to take part in the journey. And it was a long, hard journey that got me there. But, you know, as I say, everybody just sees the destination. Everybody sees me lifting the world title of Goodison Park. But no one sees me crying myself to sleep after I've lost to a Thomas in a hotel room on my own. On my own. Uh, no one sees that I broke my hand and I can't afford to pay my mortgage. Nobody sees when I've got 
two kids and I'm absolutely skinny in one of the Christmases. So it's it, things like that that you know I talk about in the book and I, I, I also show people there's ways to navigate around them. And the biggest part for me in the book and that I believe is never believe it's as great as it looks when you're at the very height of whatever you're doing or, or the top or whatever you do. So if you've got a great job and you know you feel like everything's going great, never believe it's that great at that moment. And then when you have the massive setbacks and the lows and the, and the come downs, which we do in all our professions and all our careers, never believe it's as bad as it seems at that moment. The best thing that I could say to people is always try and remain and keep that level common ground. If you can keep a middle ground for everything that you're doing, you know, you, you can still enjoy the highs and you're still going to get down some of the lows, but never go too low, never go too high. You know, it's a great bit of advice and something that I've learned over the years through fighting and boxing. I was going to say, Tony, I mean, how much of this is, is stuff that you've lived with forever and how much of it is stuff that you've been able to kind of add to your tool belt of, of your personality, your persona over the years? To be honest, mate, it, it's, it, everything is life experiences with me. I'm not somebody who can really gain from others because I was never really given much advice from a professional boxing perspective. When you go into the professional boxing world, you're literally going into a pond full of sharks and that's the best way to explain it you know you've got to you've got to learn to swim fast and you've got to watch out for the, for the, for the stronger, stronger people around you and in the boxing world it's crazy to say this but the people who everyone's tuning in to see and the people who everyone cares about is the boxer but he is actually the weakest one until he gets to the very very top of his profession so as a fighter as a boxer I was British Commonwealth European and world champion I never got to a serious position of power until I was a full-blown world champion. No one cared that I was British Commonwealth and European champion. It didn't, you know, it didn't do anything for me. The money wasn't great. It was really hard, tough times. And, you know, no one cared. But as I say, once I got to the very height of the game, you're you on Sky Sports box office, and then you fight massive fights that the world are tuning into. I'm fighting David Hay, a former heavyweight champion of the world. You know, that's when I'm in a position of power. But very, very few of the boxers get there. So 90% of the time, because, you know, 99% of the fighters don't get to that level. They don't get the pay-per-view level where there's other big events, big events, and then big money. So 99% of the game is being used and abused. You're just a piece of meat. And that's hard to contend with year after year, trying to, you know, just find your way to your dream. And as I say, I, come, I talk about this in the book. I've probably come across it in various other topics as well, but I'm just happy, as I said, that I've got there in the end. Yeah, no, absolutely. I mean, the, the book is, it's an absolutely gripping read, Tony, whether you're a boxing fan or not, whether you're someone that's followed your career yeah. like I have, and then you can you can read your inside perspective across the various fights and what was going through your head and so on. And it's absolutely fascinating. But if you've got no interest in sport at all and no interest in boxing in particular, it's still a hell of a read because the journey you take the reader on, it's, uh, you, they, you. you're very open, mate. You've, you're very, you share an awful lot, which, which I have to say surprised me, if you don't mind me saying. I always, you know, I, I've been offered to do many books in me, in me after my career was finished. I got asked to do autobiographies left, right, and centre. And I, I said no. I rejected five different offers. And I said no because I don't think I've had a life that is worth anything great to talk about. I mean, everyone, I could come on and play the victim card. I come from a broken family. and My dad left when I was 10. And I've done this and I've done that wrong. But that's nothing that every other kid from my area has done already. 
the reason why I've done this book was because there's kids that are from the area I'm from. There's just everyday people that I can relate to. So, so many people have been in tough situations as a younger kid. I mean, I was expelled from school with no qualifications. Uh, and I had to navigate my way through to this big, long dream that I had of being a world champion. And amongst all of that, I still persevered and stuck with it. So all the jobs that I had, whether I've been a labourer, I've been I've worked in a pillow factory, I've worked in Next, a retail store, I've worked daytime and nighttime security, I've been a lifeguard, all these different jobs. It was all to persevere and get there towards, you know, being a world champion boxer. All of them was, was to, you know, subsidise this long dream that I had of one day becoming a world champion. And I'd say not everyone wants to be a world champion. Not everyone's going to be a world champion, but I don't think there's anyone in the world who doesn't want to be in a better position than they are right now. Whether that's if you work in an office, you want a promotion. Whether if you work in, you know, retail, you want to get a better car for yourself, you want to live in a better house. Well, if you can just employ the things that I employed mentally, then I believe we can all achieve any the best of ourselves or whatever we want to be. I genuinely do believe that. As I said, I am no one special. What I have achieved has been amazing, and I'm still in shock to this day of why I've done what I've done. What I'm not in shock at is how hard I worked and where I got there in the end. But I finally can pat myself on the back these days, and I haven't been able to do this much, but I give myself credit because I was not given anything. Everything I got, I earned. Everything I won, I deserved. Yeah. Every single thing, and, and that was purely just through years of work and sacrifice and dedication, the nights, the days away from my family, the months of the time away from my family and training camps, it worked out in the end. But as I've said before, not everyone wants to be a championship boxer, but I believe this book can cross over to the normal person and help them in their day-to-day life. Because as I said, I am definitely no one special. I am someone who is exactly the same as everyone else out there, whether you're a bin man, you want to be the best bin man you can be, whether you're, you know, working in security, whether you're working in an office, I always just want to be the best at whatever they've done. And I believe everybody else out there also wants to be the best at whatever they're doing in this book is ways to do it. Yeah. Yeah, no, it's it's really, really strong. Um, one of the things that, that comes across to me as well, Tony, apart from that mindset, you know, which you, you kind of reiterate time and time again that you worked harder. It wasn't talent. It was hard work, hard work, hard work. And one of the things that really stands out to me, Tony, is is the decisions you made. Now, I, I need to touch on some of this to, to kind of get a bit more meat on the bones, if you don't mind. I don't I realise you're not going to reveal too much, but, you know, you refer to there's a moment, for example, where you say in the book that you can count 100 grand in under an hour. And that's partly down to the unsavoury side of, of, of your upbringing and, and decisions you had to make to step away from that. Can, can we talk just a little bit about what that means? Because you don't elaborate too much and you sort of, you make a point of saying you don't want to talk about your childhood and all the stuff that happens outside. But obviously it, you're talking about trying to inspire the people that grew up around where you grew up and so on. So it's, I, I'm not asking you to, to reveal big secrets, but it would be nice to understand what you mean by that. Understand them. I've, 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 the only thing I was good at, to be honest, and I learned in school was numbers. I was always not bad with numbers. Uh, I can count money really quick. Uh, to be fair, you have to learn to count money very quick when you're dealing with hundreds of thousands of pounds worth of tickets, which I've dealt with over the years. Even before that, I had to count money with various friends, stuff like that. So I've always been able to do really well with counting money. Just, you know, growing up where I grew up as a kid. I'm not saying it's the worst place in the world because it's far from it. Everywhere everywhere you go, 
has a nice place and a tough place in it. You know, it's just area codes and whatever have you, postcodes, sorry. So, I did Wavy Street was no different than anywhere else. It had good parts, it had bad parts. It had some really bad parts, to be honest. But you just learned to survive. As a kid, you know, as I said, finished from school, never had, you know, basically a pot to piss in. Uh, I, I had nowhere to go, no qualifications, no nothing. So you've got to earn money and you'll do whatever it takes to earn money. It was only upon the birth of my first child where I stopped doing what I was doing to earn money. Uh, once my first son was born, I was literally, everything was perfect because the last place I ever wanted to go was jail. That was my worst fear. I, I, I refused to accept going to prison and my kids coming to visit me in jail. So I made sure everything had done. Once I had my first son, Corey, I'd done right and I'd done properly. Uh, I've been involved in some sticky situations in my life. I've done some terrible things. I've done some bad things, but I'm not proud of them. But I got through it and I've done it, and it is what it is. But as I say, we all do things that we're not proud of. It doesn't mean necessarily mean you're a bad person. It just means that you know you've got to learn your lessons from the mistakes you make and try not to repeat them. And that's a, you know one of my stronger points I talk about in the book that I don't repeat the same mistakes twice. I, you know, I try to move on with my life and, and progress and, and do the do the right things. I've always been, I've got a big heart. My wife says to me, I'm, I'm too soft at times. I always want to help people. Uh, a lot of the trouble I've had in my life is through helping others, which is crazy yeah. thing to think of, but that's what I've had to do. And it's just one of them things, mate. I say, the, unpart, the unsavory part of my life, which I don't go into much in the book, it, it, it was everyday life. What, what people would think is absolutely horrific was everyday life for us growing up. So, you know, when I was a kid growing up, over the road, you've got drug dealers, so that's who we looked up to as kids because there was no doctors and nurses and, and solicitors growing up by me. My, my One of my biggest inspirations was my eldest brother going to university, one of my elder brothers. I mean, I couldn't believe one of us went to university. I just thought we were thick and where we were living, that we were just going to be another drug dealer or, or whatever have you. Because, you know, I, I was a kid who wanted the nicer things in life. I wanted to drive a lovely BMW I wanted to have a big, thick gold chain. I wanted to have a Rolex watch. Uh, but the fact of the matter, we couldn't afford them. And no one in our area could afford them. And the people who we did see with them things were drug dealers. Now, how can you tell a kid that, you know, your dreams, obviously, every child when I was going, oh, we wanted to be a footballer. Plain and simple. I wanted to play the Everton Football Club. That was my dream. But the fact of the matter is, I was too fat, not good enough. <laughs> and you've just got to be honest and look at it that way. But all the other kids in the in the area had that same dream. And when they soon realised that they're not good enough to be footballers either. But well, what's the other way out? Because we ain't blessed with brains. And, and if I'm being totally honest, when I look back at my school and they didn't really care, uh, I was thrown out of school. So, you know, it's, it's a double-edged sword. And it, it, this is why I'm so heavily involved in the Weapons Down Gloves Up initiative now that I've got, which... You know, we're employing kids every month into full-time employment. Uh, 19 children into full-time employment last month. Oh, this man. month, we'll get, you know, over, over 20 kids into full-time employment in mechanical engineering. So, this is, I'm a massive believer now that everything that I've done in my past, I'm trying to give back and educate the youth of tomorrow. It, it's a big, big factor in my life. Uh, and I'm so proud of it, to be honest. You know, I'm trying to show these kids that, Selling drugs is not the only way out of the area. You don't have to play football. You don't have to be a boxer. You can just go to, to college, go to work or do whatever while you're getting paid and also gain a, an amazing qualification. You know, 
we're telling these kids you can earn up to £50,000 a year. Yeah. And when you say them kind of figures to kids, you know, that's roughly around £800 a week to £1,000 a week. And when you tell these kids that, that they can't believe it, and all I'm asking them to do is do the first 12 weeks, well, the first eight weeks to learn the first eight courses on the summer campings on the site. And then after eight weeks, we put you into a job and you're a full-time employee with DTQ's construction. You you start a job after eight weeks of being with us in the college, doing your, your necessary qualifications that we need to get you ready to go on site. You have then got a full-time job. You are then on a wage. That's and this is what I'm trying to show you. these kids. It's massive, and yeah. I've been asked so many times to do these. Uh, what are they called? These organisations where you you know you start an academy and you get kids right. into it. And I've been asked to do a few academies now, and I've rejected them because I said to them, "Well, what happens to the kids after eight, twelve weeks, or ten weeks? How long they're in the academy?" And the people said to me, "Well, you know, we've done what we can for them. We, there's nothing else we can do." And I said, "Well, I don't want to be part of that because you're part of the problem. You're selling a kid a dream after eight weeks, and." What, where's he supposed to go? So when D.T. Hughes and a woman called Barbara came to me with this nexus and an initiative of weapons down gloves up, I said to them, where do these kids go after 12 weeks or 8 to 12 weeks? And their words was to me, they're going to get a full-time job. And I said, you can promise me and guarantee me that. And they said, we can promise and guarantee. We have the workload. We have the manpower. We can put these children to full-time employment. And I said, well, sign me up. I'm part of this initiative. And now I'm one of the directors. I'm the director of sport. Uh, boxing is a part of this initiative that we do. So we, you know, some of the kids have got anger issues that are coming in there, which I'm quite happily happy to admit that I've had them many along my many a time myself. Uh, I was just very fortunate that I was able to punch people in the face to get rid of my anger. Mm. So you know, we've been able to help so many children and get them as I say into full time employment. I'm so proud of myself for doing that with these other two people. So. You know, that's another big part. I, I do mention it in the book. Uh, but I think the book should be lessons for any child. And you don't have to necessarily be from my area. You could be from an absolutely beautiful area where your parents split up and, and, you, and you wonder, how did you navigate your way through that? How did you find yourself through that? Everything is touched upon up in this book. Like I said before, it's not an autobiography, but what it is, is, is a way to show people another way out. It's Well, it's a life guide. It's a lifeguide which you back up with your own real experiences. You back up with your own, I had to lose that weight and that lost me that and then I didn't trust that person and yeah. this taught me this and this, that and the other. It's about keeping your friends close and keeping an eye on your enemies. It's it's very revealing and, and psychologically it's very empowering as well, Tony. You know, you've you've put a lot of time and effort into this. And what you're saying with, with the knives down and the weapons down, the gloves up campaign and so on, this is a huge thing, Tony. And you, you called yourself, you know, you said that school didn't work out and you, you said you didn't have the brains for it. Well, you know, the brains are, it's very, it's very difficult, isn't it? There's a difference between being academic, being doing fine in school yes. because you're academic. And then there's a difference being street smart or being able to get on with life. Yes. Saying you, you didn't have the brains for it is you didn't necessarily have the brains for school. But you still had a hell of a boxing yeah. brain. You were still able to understand numbers. You were still able to put two and two together and read people, not just in the ring, but outside of the ring. These are, that to me is brains as well, Tony. Thanks, Andy. You know what, Paul? I used to think as a kid, I was sick growing up. Uh, and one of my friends said to me, now my, this friend who said it to me also got expelled from school the same year as I did, or he might have been the year before. This friend who got expelled from school like I did is now a professor in Leeds University. He's not He's not a doctor, he's a professor, he's gone another level up. So, 
he got expelled when I did, and I always said to him, you know, I'm 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 really good at punching people in the face, but I'm not very bright. I'm pretty thick, to be honest. And he always said to me, you're not thick. He said you're intelligent, and I said I'm not. And he says, do you want me to prove to you the intelligence? And I said, okay, let's hear this. He said, this is going to take about 20 seconds to get out, isn't it? And he's laughing at me, saying to me, I'm going to show you your intelligence. He says to me, he asked me questions about boxing. He says to me, this one, when did that fight happen? Where did this fight happen? What happened with his career? What happened with that career? What, when did this weight, weight class start? When did that world title come about? Um, I answered every question because it was to do with boxing. Mm-hmm. And he says to me, do you see what you've just done with boxing? You can do that with anything. It's the only reason you've done it with boxing is because you've got so much enthusiasm towards the sport. You really want to know, you really want to do it. If you really wanted to know and really wanted to do mathematics, you would be able to do that as well. If you really want to know the English lessons we were doing in school, you could have done that. And it was him who opened my mind to think, well, you know what, I'm actually not sick. It's just that I'm not interested in doing the academic things at school but I was extremely interested in learning about boxing and the fight game. And this is why it's the only thing in the world that I truly understand and know is boxing. There's nothing I don't know about it because I studied it for that many years, participated in it for a lifetime and had a career in it for 20 years. So he, he opened my eyes even to myself and just said that you're not... So all the kids out there who haven't done well this year with their exam results from school, it doesn't mean the end for them. It doesn't mean the end for you. Find what you're good at and excel at that. Because believe me, everybody is good at something. If, if I'm good at, at learning and studying boxing and stuff like that, I now understand that I can use the tools that I've used to study boxing to do something else. So I've done it with business in certain, in the, in certain parts of business, in property development and things like that. I've now worked up a property portfolio that I would have never dreamed possible when I was leaving school. So, I, like I said before, if I can do it, anyone can do it. Yeah. You just have to be willing to put the hard work. And that's all that counts in life. I try and get this lesson across to me, boys. I've got four beautiful sons, uh, 16 months, 8 years of age, 12 years of age, and 16 years of age. And I, I'm struggling to get it across because I'm not, uh, you know, I'm trying my best as a father, but it's very, very difficult, as you can imagine, with four boys. Yeah, I have three, I'm, so I'm I, I, to, I know what you mean. I know what you're going through. <laughs> you can, you can sympathise. So I'm trying to explain to the boys that if you can enjoy working hard, then everything else will become easy. I'm trying to make them think that working hard isn't hard at all. You actually enjoy working hard. Now, I know that's hard to get across to a child, but I'm trying my best at it with them. And, well, and that's all that I've done. I, I enjoyed working hard. I enjoyed pushing myself to new limits, to oh, pushing the barriers all the time. And it, like I said before, now I know I keep repeating myself, if I can do it, anybody can do it. Because believe you me, I am no one special. Look at my background. Look where I've come from. You will see I was a kid who had no hope at all. Leaving school with no qualifications, expelled, you know, sent away. I had nothing. And yet I found a way to build myself up to something and, and do something with my life. Do you know what, Tony? If I'd, if I'd said to you when you were age, I don't know, when you were 10... If I say to you, look, listen, mate, before you're age 40, you're going to be a role model. You'd never have oh, believed I don't me. Know <laughs> Do you know why I'm, I still struggle with that? People saying that to me, I'm a role model. I, I can't grasp that I'm anything other than ordinary. So I struggle to say role model. I, like, I don't look at myself as a role model. I'm just trying to... I get asked to, like, I've been asked to talk at Oxford University and I've declined and said no because... 
what am I going to be able to teach or what am I going to be able to tell these extremely bright individuals? And once again, my friend who's the professor, he should because they'll be able to relate. Now, I feel very comfortable going back to schools in my area where I'm from and talking to them kids because I understand what every child's going through. I understand what, what they feel like. I understand what negative emotions. I understand that they feel like the world's against them. But I, I don't feel comfortable going into a place like Oxford and talking to these guys who are extremely intelligent, far brighter than I am. So once again, it comes to the issue of I can understand when you say role model to the people from my area, from the people from my city and places. Yes, I might be, but I really can't comprehend of being a role model to someone on, let's say, the other side of the world or the other side of the country. So I struggle with that, but that's just my own mental, you know, stability and learning to cope with it. But thank you very much. It's a lovely compliment to be paid. And I don't look at myself as a role model, but I just look at myself as someone who can pass on the lessons he's learned. And I always want to help people. There's that's lot, the biggest thing for me. Tony, there's a lot of people that don't give back. And one of the things that's very clear in the book is that what got you to where you were and what I think will continue to get you great things in the future in terms of helping others and whatever you want to do is that single-minded determination. You get passionate about something and then you, you let it consume you and you don't stop until you're the best in the world at it. You've proven that professionally time and again. And it feels to me like your new passion, your new target your new knockout is let's help as many kids as we can let's let's raise the bar for oh, them definitely definitely i'd love to you know more kids into full-time employment the better i just want i want my children to grow up in a safer place there's so much going on in the world where i've grown up now in, in the city of liverpool where i'm from so many stabbings so many shootings unnecessary amounts of violence and craziness going on and these kids just need educating. These kids just need showing a way out. And as I said before, the way out doesn't have to be selling drugs. The way out doesn't have to be doing crazy things and robbing houses and robbing people because it's going on so much more now. I mean, when I was a kid, you never ever knew anyone who was a house burglar because they were frowned upon. Now every other kid I'm hearing is a house burglar, you know, going into nice houses, stealing things. So it, the world is changing. But we just need to, to keep our old values about us because I, I believe kids' models and the moral compass is fading ever so slightly now these last few years. And I just want to reinstall it and reinstate it back so kids have a moral compass again. Kids have values. Kids have manners. Uh, I'm raising my children to have them. You know, one of the things I'm very proud of is the shopkeeper around the corner from the house the other day, he said, Tony, said, I just wanted to say, your boys are so well-mannered. It's pleasing. Thank you for everything. And the soul, you know, please just hold the door for that lady. And stuff. I said, well, do you know what? That's a really nice. I'm always on the back giving them stick. And I'm trying to, <laughs> I'm trying to raise them as men. And I'm so, I'm, 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 I'm tough on the elders because he sets the example for all of them. And I'm really soft on my little baby. Yeah. Uh, but <laughs> I'm know, trying to be better. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he's got me that round his finger, the younger one. Uh, but I'm trying my best to just help raise them properly and, and as I said that was a massive compliment what the shopkeeper said to me the other day yeah. I couldn't believe it so I went home and I was dead proud and I actually bought him a new game on his PS5 so he was over the moon <laughs> he didn't know what it was for because I didn't tell him but I said pick a new game so as I say I'm trying to, to to raise these kids and do the best job I can but everyone's going through struggles and one of the big big factors that I touch on, upon in this book and is is a thing that I say is people need to stop paying attention to social media. Social media isn't real. You know, it, it's a massive thing these days. And I understand 
popularity of it. I understand the benefits of it, but ultimately, it's definitely not real. Social media is everybody's highlight reel. Mm. It's not real life, and this is what's getting me down so much about social media today. Because I've seen young kids trying to compete with actors and movie stars. They're not. They've, these people on social media are posting all these amazing life lives and stories. They haven't shown the journey. They're only showing the destination. And this is the problem with the children of today. They're only seeing the destination. They're not seeing the journey. Yeah. And, and I'd say social media has a big, big part to play in that. It really does. So, you know, don't believe everything you see on social media. It's not real life. It's like you know, that saying, Tony. It's like the saying, you know, the, your 10-year overnight success. They're unbelievable. I, I get that one. Everybody just sees my world, me lifting a world title of Goodison Park. Yeah. Everybody sees my big fights with David Hay and things that, you know, that just happened. That, that, that was 15 years in the making. Yeah. 15 years of getting punched in the face. 15 years of being told I'm not going to be anything. 15 years of being told that I can't be world champion. Well, it was 17 years actually when I won the world title. 17 years of being told I'll never be world champion. My ex, my ex promoter coming out and saying, I will never be a world champion. I am not good enough to be a world champion. You know, various pundits saying, I'm going to get knocked out. I'm going to get hurt. I'm going to get this. All, you know, all the years of sacrifice, you know, I didn't just beat one man and then it became ultimately famous or, or gained an immense amounts of wealth overnight. I was broke for years. I couldn't pay my mortgage for, for many, many times. Uh, I struggled financially for many years. Uh, so people just, as I say, all part of the journey. The destination, I got there in the end, yes. But, you know, the journey was long and it was hard and everybody goes through tough moments. Don't believe, as I said before, and I can't stress it enough, on social media, we all see the highlights of people's lives. If I was to post my everyday life on social media, they would say, bloody hell. It's <laughs> tough, that. You know, I wake up and the, the baby's, you know, done, done the stuff in his nappy. My wife's doing that. Then there's other three kids who need to be dressed for school. One's arguing with the other. The two elder ones are fighting between each other. They're arguing over the, over the bathroom. Uh, one's screaming at the other one to get out the shower. This is just the first 10 minutes of, of everybody waking up in my house. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, yeah, then I've got a wife trying to tell me she needs me to do something else that I, I don't want to do, but I've got to do because she can't do because she's looking after the baby. So... You know, I don't post that stuff on social media. What I post is, I try and post positive stuff that, that's going to push people and, and motivate them. Uh, so, you know, it, it, it's hard. It's a hard balance. But as I said, if people can look out there and look for the positives and, the, the, you know, the, the good things on social media, don't always look for oh, a picture of a man on a yacht or a picture of a man driving with a Rolex watch on us. That's not real life. Yeah. Because you haven't seen what he's had to earn to do that or, or to gain that lifestyle. That's it. So as I say, it's very tough, Andy, but, you know, it, it can be done. And just, just believe in yourself. Believe in yourself. And I want to help people as well, because the more we want to help each other, the better the other world will create for, the, for tomorrow, for the, for the youth of the youth of today or the future of tomorrow. This is, this is really, I mean, so heartening to hear it, Tony, and, and, I'm, and I'm so impressed with you for doing this. And you're right, you know, you, you sort of talk about the social media stuff. Do you know what? There should be an advert for, for a Rolex watch, for example, to use your to use your example, and there should be something that, that charts the journey that someone's had to go on to be able to get that. Do you know what I mean? That on the yeah. advert, you should have the, the picture of the watch, sure, but you should have all the graft that someone has had to go through and the decisions they've had to make and the sacrifices they've had to yeah. make to be able to have that on their wrist. 
You know what I mean? Without a shadow, without a shadow of a doubt, I, that's a brilliant thing to say, and it really is because if someone could see the, 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 the absolute nonsense that people have got to go through, the hard work, the tribulations, the trials, the trials, all that stuff that you go through just to get that watch. You know what? You wouldn't even want to watch in the end. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Want to spend it on go. I'm happy with the They're Casio. So That'll be fine. <laughs> you know what? I never used to have. I used to love watches when I'd see them when I was a kid. But then as I got older, and I was a professional, me actually, my wife actually bought me my first ever Rolex because I didn't feel like I, I could justify spending that amount of money on one. Yeah. It's only after I realised that these are investments that don't depreciate. They only appreciate with time. And that's the only reason I've, I've got a watch collection that I've got these days. So it's, uh, as I say, things like investments and stuff, I, I look at everything now, what can I pass on to my children? Everything I, look, everything I do, everything I have them in, my, in them in mind and them in sight, first and foremost, before they do anything. So I just think we can all do a little bit more to help each other. We can all do a little bit more to help our children. Yeah, I'm, listen, I'm not trying to state I'm the perfect parent. I'm the furthest thing from it you could imagine. I've made loads of mistakes in my life. I've made loads. You know, I'm not a perfect parent. I'm not a perfect person. But I also understand that nobody is. So, you know, you're just trying to make the best of your situation and try and better others. Absolutely. If you're enjoying the Andy J podcast, we'd love a review. In fact, if you're enjoying the show, why not tell your friends? Podcasts live and die on, well, often word of mouth, so please tell your friends. Like, subscribe, review and share. Thank you. Absolutely, mate. And, and the other thing, Tony, I hope you don't mind me saying, but you, you mentioned it in the book oh. anyway, is that I think there was a side to you that was perhaps unlocked because of a reality TV show, SAS Who Dares Wins, which... <laughs> I mean, you know what yeah. I mean? You you probably went in there thinking, you know, the, the things I've achieved, the training I've done in my life and so on and so forth. Let's just see how I get on, but I'll probably be fine. And yet we saw, you you transformed, didn't you, during during that show? A bit, a bit of an emotional roller coaster. Do you know what, Andy, the, the, the best way to explain it would be, I went in there with, I've always, I've always, admired and looked up to the elite level soldiers. Any man who's willing to put his life on the line for this country and and work as hard as they do, I had nothing for huge admiration for. So I went in there with a very open mind. I, I knew they wouldn't be able to break me physically. I mean, they possibly could break me physically because I could have broke me leg or something like that. So that was the only way, something like that. But it was the mental things that I didn't anticipate. I've been through so much in my life that I just didn't anticipate anything getting really hard mentally. I, 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 I thought this could get hard physically, yes, which I'm fully aware of. I'm, full, I'm definitely ready for. But what I wasn't ready for was the the mental side because I had so much going on in my life uh, after the time of boxing. I've been doing something for 20 years. Uh, and when it's just taken away from you and you've got nothing really going on much in your life anymore besides your family, you know, I've always been driven by something and that was to be the best fighter in the world. And then I retired at 36 and it's just gone. And that's very, very hard to deal with. Uh, you know, I say when you've been doing something for 20 years and then one day all of a sudden you just switch it off. It was very hard and that left me very vulnerable mentally. Uh, and I had, I had an awful lot to contend with and deal with. But, you know, they addressed it in the show, which I didn't expect, completely unexpected, but I thought they'd address my mental situation 
Uh, and they did. I've got a lot to thank Ant Middleton for. You know, he was a big, big reason behind why I, I improved as a person, uh, why everything got better after I went on that show. Just so many things that went on. Uh, and I was proud of myself, as I say, for getting through it. Yeah, absolutely. No, it's and you showed real control as well. I mean, there was a moment, a couple of moments, in fact, if I remember rightly, <laughs> where I thought you were going to spark him out, but no, you held definitely, back. Definitely, definitely a couple of moments, uh, maybe more than a couple of moments. But yeah, uh, very, proud, very proud of myself. I'm very, very happy uh, that I didn't. And you know what? The biggest factor of why I didn't is because once again, one of the pivotal moments in my life is I've always wanted to prove people wrong. My life's always been about proving people wrong, that I can do it, that I won't do this wrong, I won't do that. And it, everyone thought I was going to belt him. Yeah. You, you know, if you'd look on the bookies, I was I was odd nailed on to punch him. Yep. And the fact that I didn't, <laughs> and I bit down, I bit down on my lip, uh, bit down on my tongue, sorry, that I didn't do it was, it shows me that I'm resilient enough and strong enough not to lose the plot at times. And I'm not stupid enough. So, very, very hard, very challenging. I listened to the words he kept repeating to me. Everything could do is for a reason, and he kept repeating that to me. And it wasn't until the third or fourth day of being in there that I started to take that on board. Uh, it was so, so hard. Mentally, that was one of the hardest things I've ever done. Physically, it wasn't too bad at all, considering what I've gone through in my professional career and how hard the boxing training gets at times. It wasn't that bad. But mentally, the most exhausting thing I've ever gone through in my life because... When you're stuck into an environment with a gang of strangers over the space of nine days, and you know the most I ever slept in one setting was two and a half to three hours. Uh, in the nine days, I think I slept twenty-seven hours in nine days, or twenty-six hours in nine days, something like that. You know, so, I was so a bit like being a new dad then, Tony. You know, which you've done four times. <laughs> <laughs> it was just—it was horrendous. It was it was really, really horrendous. It was hard. And then sleep deprivation and food deprivation are the two things that can push you to the absolute limit in, in the space of no time at all. Yeah. And, uh, and it was so hard. It really, really was. But as I say, I'm very grateful and lucky for the experience. Uh, and I'm proud of myself for getting through it. Absolutely. Well, look, I've got a suggestion for you, Tony, but before before I come on to that, it would be crazy of me not to talk to you about somebody who features quite heavily in the book. You've mentioned him already, obviously, David Hay. Now, prior to prior to reading the book, I think my assumption was that you guys still did not get on at all. But actually, you, you, there's, a, there's, there's a respect and the way you write about him is so respectful as well. And the way you remember those bouts, I mean... Yeah. It, it was a real game changer, wasn't it? The the the, the Bellew Hay era. Yeah, it was. Uh, do you know what? It, it was a pivotal moment in my life. It's where my life changes. It's where it no longer is becoming. It's where my life. I no longer worry about the financial security of my family. I've always worried about the the, the security of my family because I always thought there's a chance I can pass away in a boxing ring. Yeah. I'm not the kind of fighter who goes in a ring and can take a knee and watch the referee counts. I was never the kind of fighter who's got the brain power and the willingness to just stay down or know I've taken enough. I've never been able to be one of them fighters who enough's enough, if you get what I mean. Yeah. So for someone like me, I was going out on my shield. You know, there was no there was no two ways about it. I, there was only one way I was going to finish. So that was a big, big moment in my life uh, going into the hay fight because... For once in my life, I'm gonna the, the family's gonna become financially secure. 
in the going into them David Day fights, uh, I had so much fear in me that this fella could really end me because I knew he was so powerful and so dangerous. I'd sparred with him 15 years earlier. I knew he was former heavyweight champion of the world, former undisputed cruiserweight champion of the world. And I thought I'd beat percent. You know, I believed in myself and I believed in my technical ability to overcome what he had. But you also can't be so naive and stupid to think that I'm just going to beat him and that's going to be it. This guy could land one punch and turn me lights out permanently. That's how dangerous, that's how good he is. So when he finally made the decision to fight me, uh, and it was his decision in the first fight, believe it or not, uh, you know, it just it changes my life. Uh, and after that first fight, my family has then financially secured a bad position that I'd only ever dreamed of. Because I've achieved all my... Uh, my lifelong dream and goal was to fight to Goodison Park for the WBC world title. I wished I could have retired after that. But I was so far away from financial security that I couldn't have had to carry on fighting. Mm. And, and David Hay literally had a pound sign attached to his forehead. Very similar to H out of Red Dwarf many years ago. <laughs> yeah. He had a H... David Day had a pound sign attached to his. That's what I could see. Uh, so I had to fight him. It's as simple as that. It was the one fight that I knew. And to put it into context, the one fight against David Hay earned me five times more than my whole career combined had before him. Five times more. And that that's put the, that puts the boxing world into perspective. That puts everything into perspective, from my opinion. So when I fought him... Uh, Life changed. You know, I was so happy. I thought, I always thought to myself, if I if I die tomorrow, one thing I can guarantee is my kids and my wife are financially secure and straight and looked after. I've done the job I was put on this earth to do, and I'll say I've always put them first since, since my little first boy was born, Corey. Uh, and I'll say my wife Rachel. So very, very fortunate, very lucky. Uh, I have nothing but admiration for David. You know, I'm very lucky that he chose to fight me for that first fight. Don't get me wrong. I repaid that favour back because I didn't have to face him in a rematch. Yeah. I didn't have to. Uh, and I repaid that debt. I repaid the debt back. So, uh, But I, I, I'm fond of David. Uh, we've got to know each other uh, quite well over these last few years. We speak regularly. Uh, he's still someone I, I look up to. An amazing fighter. Better fighter than me. Yes, I've beaten him twice. But he, he's a better fighter than me. You know, it's just about the thing that styles make fights. It's like saying, you know, uh, Wofford beat Liverpool a couple of years ago. Does that mean Wofford are better than Liverpool? Absolutely not. No, they just <laughs> beat them in one game. Yeah, they just had Troy Dean on the Yeah, <laughs> yeah, Troy just tore the script up and made a show of them. <laughs> but uh, yeah, for me and David, you know, I'm happy to say I'm ready to better fight than me. But I say my style will always beat his because it's just the way it is. That's boxing for you. But as a fighter and what he's achieved, an absolute legend of the sport. And, and, I, and I'll always be very grateful, like I said before that he chose me for that fight because that changed my family's life. That changed my family's perspective going forward. That's created a life for my little Bellevue clan going forward, what I was able to achieve in them fights. So very happy, very grateful and very lucky. Yeah. Yeah, no, that's, um, that's really interesting to see. And, and it's great that you guys have got a, got a positive relationship now because it was, uh, yeah. yeah, it was, it was heated for a while. <laughs> it, just, it was me. No, I believe you. It was, it was more than heated. It was uh, it was on fire. The relationship between us. Every time we come together, it was an explosion. But yeah, you, you know, you soon realise that boxing isn't everything in the world. It used to be the only thing that mattered to me. You know, I'm embarrassed to say when I look back now that boxing came first in my life for 20 years. Nothing came before boxing. 
me and my own children and my wife came second for boxing, which is very bad to say, but it's just me being honest. That's how driven I was. That's how. That's what the levels of desire and sacrifice and dedication got me to. It's, I was so driven. Boxing meant everything to me. Until I became world champion, nothing else mattered. I would think nothing of, of, of just dropping everything and going to the boxing camp. I would think nothing of cancelling a whole family's holiday and saying I've got to go and train. You know, that would mean nothing to me, you know. Mm. Birthdays, you know, birthday things that were happening, parties that have cut, it didn't matter. All that mattered is where I was in my boxing. And I say, I'm, 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 I'm sad to say that, and it's selfish to say it, but that's just the way I was. That, that, that's the reason why I got to where I got. Uh, I'm trying to make it up to them now, every single day, by being there and not missing any of the events anymore. But uh, I have to, you know, it's, a heavy, it's been a heavy price. Do you regret it at all, Tony? I have regrets, of course. Of course I have regrets. You know, uh, I should have put them first so much more in my life than I did. But then the flip side, people say to me, well, you've done, look what you've done for them. Look where they live now. Look at the lives that they've got in front of them. Yes, it is. But all the money in the world doesn't matter. It honestly doesn't. It, you know, what matters is the memories that we have, the times that we spend together. And ultimately, you know, what kind of people I turn them into as they get older because I want my boys to be successful boys and, and you know have a family of their own and be brilliant fathers and I, I'm trying to be the best father I can for them to pass on to be the best father they can be as well so that that's a big big part of my life and my career but as I say hopefully the memories don't aren't there too much of you know dad just being away all the time at training camp they're definitely not going to be there for me for me last two boys they will be there for the first two boys so I'm trying to make it up to them as much as I can. But as long as they understand that, you know, a part of me was doing it for them, 110%. But uh, it is what it is, mate. We can't change the past. We can only change the future. And, and that's the position that I look at these days. I, I can't, don't stress and worry about things that you can't change. Yeah. Don't ever look at someone else's position and think, oh, why have they got this? Why have they got that? Or how have they got it? You can't, you can't change that. You, you've got no say or whatever over it, so there's no point in stressing out about it. Only stress and worry about the things that you can change. Yeah, and they're the things that you can do. And, I, you know, I'm, I'm getting to the point in my life now where I'm starting to do that. Well, and you're talking about as well. You know, you're you're worried that this the history of your of your being a dad isn't isn't exactly as you wanted it to be, and you hope that you'll you'll be able to kind of change that moving forward. Well, I'm I'm reasonably confident you know you can, and you know you will, and you already are. And of course, your own relationship with your dad ended up being very very strong, didn't it? So, you know, yeah. the kids are always going to give you another chance because they're your kids. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you would hope so, as I say, and, and I've got a great relationship. You know. These last two years have been really good for me. I know they haven't been for everyone else, and I really feel sorry for a lot of people out there who have struggled with the mental health and have struggled with lockdown and what it's caused. Uh, it's been very, very hard. But for me, it's been a great time, to be totally honest, because I've got to know my, you know, when we're in this lockdown, me, me 13, 12-year-old son, you know, and I've really got to know him and, and spent proper time with him. Uh, the time off school when they were doing homeschooling, you know, I'm not going to lie, his mother done all the homeschooling, I wasn't very good at that, but just spending time with them as children and being around them every day, day in, day out, you know, I'm the cook in the house, I do all the cooking, uh, you know, every day I'm cooking their meals for them, uh, every day my wife's cleaning up and doing whatever she's doing in the house and just being, she, the, one, the boys are very fortunate, they've got an absolutely fantastic mother, 
Yeah, they've got a, a decent dad, I like to think of, and someone who always puts them first. But they're being very blessed and lucky to have a brilliant mum. She's there every step of the way. She does everything for them. In my opinion, she molly cuddles them. <laughs> but, you know, they are their little babies. But as I said before, this period over the last couple of years during this pandemic has been a good time for me to really spend time, I hope, with the family. Okay. So, although it's been a nightmare for everyone else, to which I'm very sorry for them, which it has been hard. You know, my father struggled massively because he's been living on his own for the last 12 years. Taking away things like his gym and his social activities was absolutely horrendous. It really was such a difficult time for me, Dad. Uh, but he's now come out the other side and he's now seen, you know, the light at the end of the tunnel. You know, he's back in the gym. He's got his social activities with his friends again. And, you know, so... I, I, I see both ends of the spectrum. I've seen my father struggle, but I've also seen my personal life flourish uh, at home with my children. So I, I, I feel for both sides of the spectrum, as I say, but ultimately, you know, we're all going through our own struggles. We're all going through our own battles. None, none more so than myself. And as I said before, if I can get through it, mate, anyone can. Absolutely, Tony. Now, it's, I mean, really wise words, mate. I've got, I got to ask you, you say you're the cook in the house. I mean, how, how good are we talking, Tony? Yeah. Are, we, are we going to see a Tony Bailey cookbook? <laughs> yeah. Or maybe a TV Definitely series? Cook, come and cook with Tony. You know. <laughs> Bell you bakes. You know Look, it's, got, it's got a ring to it. <laughs> Bell you bakes just means Bell you gains about four stone if <laughs> Bell you starts baking. <laughs> so I don't need that. I don't need that, mate. Uh, yeah, I can cook anything. I really can. I love cooking. Well, that's a lie. That's a bad lie. I don't know why I just said that. Because <laughs> that's going to double me amount that I've got to do. You've just dug yourself like, a hole there, Tony. You've got to yeah, prove it I've now. Yeah. <laughs> I don't love cooking, but the kids like me food. Uh, my wife loves me food. Uh, and I can cook, yeah. It's just something I, I, I'm, I'm all right at. I'm half decent at. So before you say no, I've already been asked to do a couple of shows and I've said no with regards to cooking. Uh, the last thing I need to do is get better at cooking because if I get any better at cooking, <laughs> I'm just going to get fatter and fatter. And at the minute, I'm trying to lose weight <laughs> and I don't need it, to be honest. Well, here's a show idea for you, Tony. Tuck in with Tony. <laughs> Mate, you're making this worse. This is not supposed to go down this angle because I'm going to end up like a balloon. I'd watch it. I think it'd be brilliant. There's you, there's the kitchen. Yeah. Maybe you've got someone like a Gokwan oh. coming in from time to time and you're... Oh. Different flavours and yeah. I would just, I don't know. You know what? The only worry with going on a cooking show, which I've been asked to do already, was I looked at Dillian White when he went on the Master Chef, I think it was. Yeah. And Dillian went on it and Dillian said to me after he said, Tone, I ate everything I cooked. <laughs> he gained three stones and I was like, I'm never doing that show. Never, ever doing that show. Brilliant. But that's what put me off. <laughs> What a motivation. I love it, Tony. That's that's absolutely brilliant. Um, look, I've got two last ones for you, Tony. I'm mindful I've taken up loads of your time, so I'll be quick. Um, oh, don't worry. Well, the first the first one I just, is an idea for you, really, because reading the book, hearing you speak, just listening to the kind of words you say and the empowering things that you're putting out there into the world these days, which is just brilliant. I wonder if there's some sort of route for you with, I don't know, a podcast or a series of talks or something where you where you have, you break things down sort of half hour by yeah. half hour for people so that they can literally subscribe. I don't mean paid subscribe. I mean, just subscribe to your yeah. your teachings, you know? I've, I've got something in the pipeline, but all will be revealed soon enough. I don't think I'm allowed to say it yet, but yeah. I have something in the pipeline because somebody has identified all the things you've said, which I can't really see, but you've obviously seen them as well. So thank you very much. Uh, 
yes, I have got something. And when I start doing it, it will be something that can relate to everyday people. And I'm going to have a chat with everyday normal guests. Like some people are going to be professional people. Uh, some people are going to be quite powerful people. Some people will be famous people, but I'm going to speak to some kind of regular people as well. So there is something in the pipe and, and yeah. it is getting done as we speak. So yes, there will be something that I'll do. I mean, I, I don't know if I could ever do TV shows or be a presenter. I mean, I like to think I could, but I don't know if I can. Everybody says I could do it and I should do it, but I've never really pursued that avenue. Uh, the movies, never say you've never. Done, you've done Creed, haven't you? You did the Rocky show. Yeah, I've done one Creed. Uh, there could be more in the pipeline, but I don't know. We'll wait and see on that one. More will come available as a date with that. Uh, yeah, that's movies that's, a, that's a leading line, Tony. That's a leading line. <laughs> Somewhere, there, there is something somewhere. So, you know, I love doing the movie Creed. I always I always have to thank Ryan Cooler, the director, for making me believe that I could do it because I didn't think I could, and he told me that I could do it. Uh, the support from Sylvester Stallone and Michael B. Jordan was amazing. So, yeah, uh, potentially, you know, there is something down the line with that kind of thing. Uh, I'm just trying to stay busy and, and set as best example as I can and spend as little time away from home as I can these days. Uh, but ultimately, you know, I'm just, I'm trying my best, mate, to keep doing what I'm doing. You're going to be on the new series of Cobra Kai, aren't you, Tony? That's what you're, that's where you're coming from. <laughs> Do you know what? My, my career did start off with kickboxing, but uh, I think that's crappy, isn't it? So that's my son's, one of my son's favourite programmes. The, the baby absolutely loves it. I haven't watched a second of it. As soon as I heard about Daniel LaRusso's Come on a Comeback Trail, I was like, really? Come on, how far are we going to go with this? <laughs> hey, it's great. You've got it. You, you'll love it. it I'm told it's so cheesy, it's good. Now it's that is, for my friends, it, they all say it's absolutely amazing. So I'll try and give it a go. You should. Uh, you're saying all this. I reckon this is just a smokescreen. You are going to be season three. You're going to be <laughs> teaming up with Sensei Chris. There's a new Sensei in town. It's it's Sensei Chris is back. I can't believe they brought Sensei Creasy back. And I've done two seasons already. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Wow, it, must be, it must be popular. It's, I tell you what, they're, they're doing season three now. And Sensei Kreese, honestly, wow. I can't believe we're talking about Cobra Kai like this, but Sensei Kreese, I mean, he, <laughs> he, he wasn't he wasn't the youngest when the Karate Kid films were out. He's, oh, he he's knocking he on age? a bit now. He's done brilliantly. You look at him and you go, whoa, this, I mean, whoa. Either special effects or he, work he must, or, I don't know, he's just At very, his age, mate, at, at his age, he must be looking like Thanos now out of the Avengers. <laughs> he is, so. <laughs> he's, well, he's still well, got the power stone, mate. He's still got the infinity glove. So, uh, yeah, <laughs> you should get on it. I, season three, I want to see you in there. Cobra Kai season three, <laughs> Sensei Tony. <laughs> All right, kids, oh. let's let's do it. <laughs> oh, I think it'd be brilliant. I think it'd be brilliant. Tony, my absolute last one for you is just a bit of fun. It's something I do yeah. when 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 a guest has been great value like you uh, you have. I, I feel I have to ask this question. I call it the dream drives. And it's because we have a car show as well and we like to have a bit of fun with it. So I'm going to give you some rules and I need you to, to fill them in for me. Okay, Tony? So here we go. You can yeah. have any car you want driving anywhere you want. And I'm going to give you three celebrity passengers. They've got to be famous. They can't be members of your family. And they can be fictional or real. So you could have Thanos in the passenger seat if you wanted. What are you driving? Wow. Where are you driving? And who? which three celebrities or fam fictional characters do you take with you? Okay. So I'm driving a Rolls-Royce Ghost. That's me absolutely well. A Rolls-Royce, I'd say a Rolls-Royce Wraith is my dream car, but there's not enough seats in it. So how many passengers am I allowed? Three Four passengers. Or two or so three. it's you three. plus okay, well, three. Okay, well, we can have, yeah. 
we can have the race. Okay, so the Rolls Royce race is my dream car. Lovely. That is a, the most amazing car in the world. Rolls Royce race is the car. The first passenger, without a shadow of a doubt, is Muhammad Ali. Brilliant. Nothing else even comes close. He is my first passenger. Right, my second passenger. Wow. Okay, this is where it starts getting tough. My second passenger. Wow. Maradona. Hey, love it. In a in 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 an Argentinian kit, or or is he going to be sitting there in an Everton strip? Maradona can sit with whatever he wants. You know why? Because he's Maradona. <laughs> <laughs> and yeah. me, 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 me third man, I've actually met him and had dinner with him. And I can't believe I'm going to say, but it is. It will be Mike Tyson. Whoa. That's, I tell you Muhammad what. Muhammad Ali. <laughs> That's, you wouldn't want road rage with you lot in the car, would you? <laughs> <laughs> You would have the amazing <laughs> vocabulary of Muhammad Ali. You would have the anger of Mike Tyson. And you would have the absolutely unbelievable death footwork of Maradona. What a, oh, and yeah. then you would just have a mouthy scouser. <laughs> You'd have to pull over and do some keepy-uppies and stuff, wouldn't you, though? I mean, it... Oh, man. Could you imagine the stories Maradona could tell? Muhammad Ali is my most inspirational figure in my life the most amazing man that's ever graced all of sports, the most well-known face in all of sports, in all of the world. I yeah. think Muhammad Ali probably, he's in the top three most famous faces ever. I'd say him, Elvis, and I'm not sure on the other one, but he's up there with... Marilyn when Monroe you put a picture is of Ali, another one, isn't she? Yes, there yeah. you go, yes. Marilyn Monroe, lovely lady. So they would be my guests, mate. I'll, I'll, I'll always have that dream car in me sights, but I can't bring myself to purchase it because I just can't put the value on a car like that. But yeah. what a car. What a car. A Rolls Royce. You, yeah. can, you can hire one for the weekend, Tony. I mean, there you go. You're sorted. That sounds really good. I just can't get the three people in the car with me. <laughs> <laughs> no, but you can take photos. Well, you guys yeah. may be able to do it. <laughs> we could put in a call to a couple of them. Yeah, we do our best. Yeah. <laughs> Oh, brilliant. Thanks, Listen, thank you Tony, it's been an absolute pleasure. I've, I really, really enjoyed the book and I've, and I've loved our chat. Thank you very much for your company today, thank mate. Thank you very much for having me and the very best of luck going forward, mate. You too, mate. Take it easy. I hope we meet thanks, again. Bye. All the best. Bye. Thanks, pal. Bye for now, pal. Bye-bye. The Andy J Podcast. Well, there we go. Tony Bellew, oh, what a guy. I urge you to seek out his book, Everybody Has a Plan Until They Get Punched in the Face. It's a great read, and the title alone deserves your attention. Ah, oh, brilliant. Um, thank you for listening to the Andy J podcast. I always appreciate it, and I never take it for granted. Thank you. Next week, we have another big chat for you with an equally cool-sounding book title. It's almost as cool as everybody has a plan until they get punched in the face. It's just not quite as cool. Christian O'Connell, the king of breakfast radio, he then upped sticks. He was literally on top of the world in the UK. He was the greatest breakfast radio host ever. He won all the awards. I mean, more. I think he's won more radio awards than anyone else ever in the UK. And he decided to jack it all in and literally go to the other side of the world, Australia. And his book, I'll just try and remember what it's called, because it has an equally brilliant title, but I'm, I'm, <laughs> need to be more, uh, my memory needs to be better. I'm aware of that. His book is called, oh my God, Nobody Listens to Your Dad's Radio Show.
I'm pretty sure that's what it's called. Anyway, Christian O'Connell joins me next week for what I think will be a brilliant chat. I'm a big fan of Christians. I can't wait. I can't wait. Thank you for your company today. If you are new to this show, we have an enormous back catalogue of amazing celebrities, including Liam Neeson, Olivia Coleman, Jeremy Clarkson twice, James May, Richard Hammond, uh, Mary Portis is in a very recent interview as well. Just so many brilliant names. Ashley Banjo, uh, David Baddiel. I could keep going because we've had so many stonkingly great guests. Darren Brown, I want to keep going. But I, and Jason Isaacs, I'll stop. Just have a look for yourself. Harry Redknapp, Teddy Sheringham. I, sorry, I'm going to stop. Gabby Logan, Katie Mellower, many, 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 many more. Hundreds of celebrities waiting for you. Please check them out. Have a great week. Be kind. Make someone smile. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns.